podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by three distinguished gentlemen. Um, let's start off with Jay. What are you saying, bro? Yeah, all good, my brother. Can you hear me clearly, yeah? Yeah, man, we can hear you loud and clear, loud and clear, loud and clear. Timson, what are you saying, bro? How are we doing? Good to be on the pod with you guys. Looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, man. And Shems, last by no means least. What are you saying, bro? Yeah, I'm good, man. How you doing? Yeah, I can't complain. I mean, you're, you're good, but, you know, the listeners last week were talking about your, your, your rant and monologue. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to hearing more of that this week, still. Because <laughs> there's a lot yeah, to get through. Yeah, we this week, that was it. <laughs> there's a lot to get through. Um, obviously... I want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Four four, Stamford Bridge, Sunday evening kickoff. You know, you know the vibes, boy. Listen, that was one of the best games I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, it was so like pulsating. Like I felt so many different emotions throughout the game, and um, it was just a, a proper madness to watch. And at the end of it, and by the end of the, like the game, we're thinking four oh, four. Fair enough. You have to hold it. Even though I think we should have won, you're thinking 4-4, what a game. You have to hold that still. Um, obviously, you ran sort of the lineup. It was pretty much unchanged out apart from Kukurea in for Colwell um, from the same team that beat 4-1, um, beat Spurs, sorry, 4-1 um, at uh, White Hart Lane a week prior. Um when you man saw the lineup, I know I was speaking to all of you, man. You seem quite confident. You're like, you know what? Yeah, this is all right. I'm I'm calm. Um, Timpson, I want to kind of get your thoughts because obviously Kukurea isn't your favorite player. <laughs> so I'm assuming when you saw Kukurea in the lineup, you're thinking, ah, oh, I, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but talk to me because I, I want to hear what your thoughts are on Kukurea now this season, given what's transpired. Given last season what happened, and um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts when you saw him in the lineup? And um, yeah, honestly, um, you're reminding me of a thought I had when I was last in the gym, and I was thinking to myself, I'm kind of glad I don't have any personal favourites in this Chelsea squad anymore. So my favourites were <laughs> Ruben and Hudson Odoi, and Obviously, the club 
and the team will always come before the individual. But now that those individuals are gone and I don't have any particularly strong affinity to any of these players, I can be more objective. So whilst, like many others, uh, I had my reservations about Kukurea last season and at certain points at the start of this season, um, he's shown me in the last few games that he definitely deserves a re-evaluation. Obviously, he had hard beginnings, but when I saw him in the lineup, I didn't feel any particular way about it. Um, mm. If I'm being honest, That's my, volumes. That's my volumes, bro. honestly, <laughs> my concern, my Im- initial reaction when I saw Kukurea in the starting eleven was more about Levi Colwell. So what's happened to Levi? Mm. Then they quickly announced that he's picked up a knock. And I said, okay, good enough to be on the bench. Because I was thinking, what was Pochettino not uh, that displeased by his performance against Spurs? But with Kukurea, Honestly, it's kind of like when Marlo Gusto comes in for Reese James. It's like, okay, cool. At this yeah, point, and yeah. I think the performances have earned that kind of acknowledgement, that seamless acknowledgement. That left back position needs filling. Kukurea comes in, cool. You know what? I I must admit that response was it, it made me smile because it seems like obviously I know you, Tipsy. You're not someone that's too prideful and you're not someone that's going to hold on to an opinion even if it's you know something that you kind of held for quite a long time you're more than open to change and I rate that a lot because I think Kukurea's performances this season have kind of warranted that to be honest and I think you're right there definitely needs to be a, a reassessment of him and I think that the same could be said for quite a few of our players and I, and I did say it a couple like pods ago I did say look it's so important like for me the situation at Chelsea last season was so bad it's so, it's so difficult to objectively evaluate players if they're really good or really bad. And, um, yeah, quite a few of the players have really turned up, man. And, um, yeah, Kukurea jumped to the lineup, and you're thinking, yeah, you know what? We can get into these, man. Um, Jay, my ever-so-confident brother, I know when you saw the lineup, you were thinking, you know what? Yeah, we can have a bit of this still. Um, and, boy, oh, boy, the first couple of minutes, bro, like, look, Chelsea look good, you know. So talk to me. What were your first thoughts about the opening few minutes? Because I did think it was, it, I felt we started confidently. Like last week, it was like very tetchy against um, Spurs. But this week, we started with confidence and we stamped our foot on the game, bro. Talk to me, man. Yeah, no, nah, I, I agree. Um, as, so, as soon as they got the ball, I think within the first couple of minutes, I think we nicked it off City and we, we immediately start trying to just go straight straight for them. Like we straight start running at the back line. I think Sterling, I think it's Sterling that gets in or something like that. And he's and he, he tries to hold up the ball in the box and it doesn't doesn't quite um doesn't quite fall to anyone for a shot or anything, but the the intent was there and it was quite clear from early on that we were kind of here to have a go, do you know what I mean? Like and Obviously, we're at home, so you kind of expect that and you want that to be the case. But same time, you're facing City, you know what I mean? You're not too sure if you're going to come out and be really aggressive in terms of attacking-wise or you're going to be a little bit more passive and, you know, try and take your time. And, and you know, sometimes Chelsea can start off quite passive at times, you know what I mean, in, in some of those games. And I'm just glad they didn't. And, yeah, it was an impressive start from Chelsea, to be honest with you. 
it's so strange because I think back to all the games that we played against City, or the best games we played where we're actually on it. Like we're not reserved, we're not sitting back. The best games, best performances, best results that have come against City is where we have been aggressors as well. We have not allowed them to dictate and beat us. And I think what I felt in those first couple of minutes, the first few openings, you're thinking, you know what, the midfield are on it, like. I saw Enzo, and like we on the last pod, we challenged Enzo and said, "Look, brother, we know you're a baller, yeah." And to be honest, certain games, especially the top the Tottenham game, I'd say, and I think to be honest, to be fair to him, I think he did have a knock, and that kind of followed into the City game as well. But I felt like he just didn't stamp his authority on a game of that magnitude. He's got the capacity to do it. So I was thinking, bro, no, no, no. Like, you have to show us, like, really, that you are the Don. And the first couple of minutes, Enzo was running rings about these, man. I was thinking, this is the guy. This is the one. You know, this is him. Um, Gems, one of the first things that you said in the chat when it kicked off, you're like, Enzo's on, you know. <laughs> so David Field 3, talk to me about it, because it looked like we were really running all over City midfield ultimately and Rodri couldn't really get a sniff yeah definitely um funnily enough I have I have positives and negatives to say about the midfield but I think on a positive front I think they they got to grips with the game really quickly um so as you said they they got on the ball they were brave um they were very secure in possession used it well and they got in their faces which was really really good to see and I think I think in these big games, um, how you start, it just it's, it's, it, it just dictates the tempo and it sets the, it sets the tempo for the game. It sets how it's going to go. And we started really, really well, especially in there. And especially in that midfield, like if that midfield can can get to grips with it within the first few minutes, yeah, it really does set the tone. And I feel like that's what they did. Um, so, yeah, I feel like on the ball, um, Enzo, very, very good. Gallagher, again, very, very good. Um, but I was a little, I was concerned as the game went on. Um, I felt like mm. defensively, the midfield didn't cover itself in glory, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I feel like part of that was down to, again, <clears throat> I feel like, I, I felt this at times at Tottenham. Again, I feel like the press was very, very disjointed. And when I say that, I mean, particularly there was many occasions where um, Enzo and Kaisoda were, were far too high and there was just a big space behind them. And yeah. City, I've got an abundance of technical players, especially in the middle of the park, you know, Bernardo Silva, uh, Rodri, even Kovacic when he came on, you know what I'm saying? And these players are really, really good under pressure. So if you give them the ball um, in that scenario, you press them, like they're more than capable of turning, taking a touch and just turning you and turning out. And it happened on a number of occasions. And I felt like, yeah. I felt like all the good stuff we did on the ball, there were many times where we could have got punished in transition simply because the midfield just got turned because they were pressing too high, which was weird. I thought I don't know if it's a structural thing, um, but I it did it did leave me a little bit concerned. Um, I felt defensively we we weren't yeah. as solid as we could have been. To be honest, you with know you. what, Shem? I was just gonna say, yeah. Um, I I had that concern as well because when I looked at the distances, when I watched the game again, and I looked at the distances between Caicedo, um. It was mainly Caicedo and Enzo sometimes in terms of the distances between them and the player that they were trying to get the ball off. The distance was so big that when they were trying to make the when they were trying to anticipate 
where the ball was going or they were trying to press and try and nick it off of them or whatever. By the time they get there, they're just getting there that second too late. Do you get what I'm saying? I just felt like the distances were so big in terms of where they were starting that kind of like, um, you know, attempt to try and nick the ball from the players. Like like when Caicedo tried to nick it away from Bernardo Silva one time, bro, the, the, he, he ran so far to try and do that. And I just thought to myself, yeah. there's just no point. There's no point because he seems yeah. to come from a mile away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, 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 I agree. So I think from, from my perspective, I thought the first half, I think we kind of done that relatively well. I think the first half we managed to find the balance. And I also think Conor Gallagher's press wasn't as aggressive. I think there was far more control. Um, I think he was times pressed a lot better. And as a result, the defence were pushing up a lot higher as well. And it was all in synchronised. It was all synchronised. And it all felt quite um, efficient, right? But in the second half, as, as, as the game grew on, I think the spaces and the gaps were massive. And like you said, Jay, that turn in the second half, like, if Bernardo plays a through ball to Haaland, he's in. You get it. And even in the first half, there was an instance where the midfield space was, there was a chasm. And that pass was played into Haaland. He took the first touch and Sanchez had a fantastic save. Do you know what I mean? But that because of yeah. those spaces, those spaces appeared. And when you've got fantastic players like City have, there's always a capacity for them to exploit it. And um, I felt like the beginning of the game, the start of the game, the first 15, 20, 30 minutes even, I thought, okay, yeah, you know what? Chelsea have actually got this. Like the space, the spaces and the distances were really, really good. Everything was quite narrow. Everything was quite tight, compact but then you're also getting that high energy from all of our midfielders to press the ball and get onto the, get in their faces. But as the game got on, the latter parts of the second half, it just became a little bit messy, man. And um, I could definitely see the concern. And we were talking about it in the chat saying, these spaces, I'm getting very concerned about these spaces. Um, but before we move on to the second half, I want to talk about the goals. Um, penalty. So, obviously, after a great start, fantastic start even, we're working the keeper, we're getting into great areas, creating a lot of decent opportunities, good chances, good saves from Edison. Then you get the penalty. Um, it gets the run of play, obviously. Um, what, what, what do you say? I mean, for me personally, I think that was a horrible decision, um, considering the first instigator of the foul was Erling Haaland. And he's tugging on um, Kukurea. But then even when I watched it back, I was upset. Very upset when I f- like first watched it. I watched it back and I'm like, oh, Kukurea, did you need to? You know what I'm saying? Did you need to? But for you, you man, what are you man saying? Is that a penalty for you? Or you still think it's a little bit soft? I think it was very soft. I think it's just a normal tussle that you see in a box every game. Every set piece, you see that type of tussle. Um, and... Yeah, you only see the penalties given when it's like you know it's like a rugby tackle kind of thing where the attackers running and like the defenders mm. almost like holding them down. That's not what was happening in the Kukurea instance because there's definitely some instances where I've seen like them giving. I'm like, yeah, that's a penalty. Like you've literally you've you've held him and you've you've dragged him to the ground. But I didn't feel like that was the case with the Kukurea one. Um, yes, he did have hold of him. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, but as you said, Harlan Harlan held him first, and it wasn't there wasn't enough there. Um, to say that you know that's a foul, um, yeah, it was it was really really. And, and, say, and Silver, yeah, and Silver and Silver cleared the ball. Like you weren't getting the ball, yeah, yeah, so it's just yeah, like exactly. it's weird. Exactly, exactly. Weird. I, I, that's a very good point. You know what I'm saying? But I think at this point, I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm going to every game. At this point, thinking to myself, it is 
quite likely that a refereeing decision, Crap decision bro. could, yeah, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's got to that stage now where every game, yeah, it's like, you know what? It's very likely a refereeing decision could could screw us here because that's what's that, the state of refereeing. And ultimately, when you've got the ultimate op in Anthony Taylor being our referee, again, I just, for the life of me, I just don't understand how this <laughs> works. But you get relegated to the championship because you made a horrible decision in a Premier League game that has cost the team. You get relegated, cool. You then go to the championship, you referee a game, make a horrible decision again and give a penalty away when it wasn't a penalty. But then you get the biggest game of the season so far against City versus Chelsea. It's a howler. When you've had previous, when you've had previous of making howlers upon howlers against Chelsea. I just don't understand how the PGMOL make these decisions. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you've got a rap sheet of horrible decisions against one team every single time. Yet you've given it after a mistake that he's had a couple of weeks ago, and then the mistake he's had in the championship. It just doesn't make sense. It's nuts to me. Um, so they got a bad I don't understand. And that for me, that I, I, I'm not saying that it's a pen, right? But I'm also thinking, you know what, Kukurea, uh, especially with Anthony Taylor, you know, this is the brother that didn't give a red card when your hair was dragged. Eh, maybe be a little bit cuter, but. I agree. Ultimately, that isn't really a pen. That wasn't enough for Harlan to go down. Harlan went down. You know, you played for it. But then at the same time, there was there was like a bit of argy-bargy from both of them. You have to hold it. I, it it's a mad decision. And then VAR, VAR reviews the pen, but they don't review it from the point where Harlan's fouling him. So it's just so stupid. And like, the whole thing is nuts to me. Like, again, Do you, know what, do you know what's a, mad about it? It highlights the incomplete... But it just it just highlights the, the complete incompetence of the officiating in this country. It's mad to me. But yeah, go on, Jay. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, do you know what's mad about it? Yeah. They 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 show the footage of the Arsenal goal, right? That they allowed um Anthony Gordon to score. And in that whole thing, you see someone as big as Joe Linton with two hands on the back of Gabriel, right? And they've decided that something like that isn't a foul. And they've and they've looked at everything and they've said, all right, cool. You know what? He's not, that's not enough for him to go down. Blah 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 blah. So what what I don't get is they look at this now, this same um, decision, right? How come they can't use the logic that is that enough for someone as big as Haaland to go down like that? And also, if he's getting to the ball, why is he going down? Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's that the logic that they use when they when they look at these decisions, it. It really baffled me, bro. It's and, painful because it's, so yeah. it, yeah. it's, it's, it's so inconsistent. Yeah. It's so inconsistent. And I just feel like, as Chelsea fans, we obviously, Arsenal, they put out a whole dossier. I think Chelsea could put out a whole film, bro. Like, Chelsea could put out a whole film <laughs> of the fuckery. Like, I, the amount of fuckery that happens against us, especially even with Anthony Taylor, but beyond that, I think. We just, just generally just don't get the rubber the green when it comes to decisions, and it's spewing over even to the women's game. But we'll talk about that later on. But it's just it's just insane how these decisions consistently keep happening, and they spoil big games. And I think that game in particular, for it to be given like that, like it just again, it just for me just smells of incompetence. And the referee wanted to involve himself in the game; he didn't really need to at that point. Like that, that was not a clear cut penalty. So. Just the idea of giving it is mad to me, but anyway, Harlan picks up the ball, slots, tucks, first goal against Chelsea. 
it was always going to happen, but it was annoying that it happened because of a pen and a pen that weren't a pen. But fuck it, you have to hold it. Um, but the response from the boys, once again, come on, man. Serious response because this is what happened. Chelsea this season, yeah, we're a team of battlers, you know. Like, if you think about it, like, really and truthfully, in the big game, we're a team of battlers because we go, go go down and you know what time it is. We, we get on smoke. You get me? Like, it happened against Liverpool. Liverpool scored first. Luis Diaz, I remember the goal, fantastic from Parson Salah, cuts us open. And then we start sticking it on them. And what happens this time? We go go down to Haaland and we start sticking it on them like crazy. Again, more chances created, fantastic football. Um, uh, let me just talk about my boy Connor G because, fam, that guy sets the tempo you, man. Listen. know if you've had any detractors i don't think anyone here i mean shims but you've come on side i just course i ain't gonna draw you out but corner gallagher yeah this kid fam when i was telling you man that this guy's gonna be a tactical weapon like angolo i was i looked at crazy but it doesn't look so crazy right now because he, he's doing a fantastical security on the ball, which I was going crazy over hearing me. Because I'm like, this ain't Connor. This ain't you. So, again, he sets the tempo. Um, Raheem Sterling went out there to kill City. Like, that was vengeful. You know what I mean? Like, that was vengeance football. Like, what personal. he did to Carl Walker was a complete madness. I've not seen Walker get bland like that all game before. I, I, for a long time, not since Hazard. Like, that was insane. Raheem Sterling's performance yesterday was fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Um, not yesterday. The, the, against City was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, Jay. Obviously, CJ Palmer, Raheem, they were a big talking point, and they didn't really disappoint. I think their performances were really, really good. So talk to me uh, a little bit about Raheem and what you thought about CJ. Yeah, man, I think like when we spoke about Chelsea in the past on the pods before, we spoke a lot about execution, right? Like we spoke about doing the right things in the right moments when you get into the right areas of the pitch, the dangerous areas of the pitch. And one thing I saw against City, not only for just those two, like Cole Palmer, Raheem, but for a lot of the players, I just felt like I was seeing what I wanted to see more of, which was like the right decisions. They weren't getting it right every single time. But in terms of like the percentage of the times I expect them to get things right, I felt like it was there. I was watching them and a lot of the stuff that they were doing, they were getting it right. They were making the right decisions. You know what I'm saying? They were, and they were competent in those areas. And like none other than Raheem Sterling, like he was, every single time he, he got a chance to take on Walker, he was doing it and he and he and he wasn't losing the ball like in in he wasn't trying any silly dribbles you know what i'm saying some of them were just crazy like he had no right to be going past so many men like that but like <laughs> there was like, so offensive some of the, bro yeah like some of the stuff he was doing he, he even started nutmegging man and that and that's how i know when he when he started doing that i said yeah this guy is on one today because the way he was taking this is walker you know like even Raz, I've heard conversations about Raz and, and Walker before when they talk about who's faster and that. And a lot of men normally say like Walker is comfortably faster. And for Raz mm. to just go up against him like that, knowing that physically as well, like um, Raz is no slouch physically, yeah. 
I know he looks small, but he's no slouch physically. But in terms of just who he's up against, what he'd done was just an absolute madness. And Walker, he was just rattled from the get-go. Like, I think the first couple of dribbles, Raheem got past him, put in a left foot cross. And yeah, after that, yeah. it was just curtains, bro. And then Cole Palmer... <laughs> With, with Cole he Palmer, just couldn't hack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, facts. And and I think just with Cole Palmer, I think um, the way he stands up on that pitch, yeah, and takes responsibility is bonkers to me. I don't have any, I don't have any more words for him, bro. Because he every game that you is just doing something, just another. He's showing me something else, like another level. Every game, every single game, he just, he just looks like he's just getting better and better, which is it's mad scary. Scary talent, yeah. bro. I think he's crazy. Shems on, on, on that point, um, because again, against Spurs, I think personally, I think Cole Palmer again was the one that kind of had sense to kind of calm things down and feel, you know, what they've had a mad start, but fuck it, I'm confident, I'm confident on the ball, I know what I need to do, everyone else needs to chill out. He was the one that really, like, you know, we thought, okay, well. I can set all things down against City. Like Jay said, he showed a different, a different side. To him. He showed a. I think he showed. Personally, I'd say the first ten fifteen minutes, he was overly eager. Like there was a couple of moments where he got played in, and he wanted to. He like he just cutting in to try and shoot. When Cole Palmer usually in those moments, you know, he's trying to find his man. And I think there was Connor Gallagher at the edge of the box, and. He could have played it back to him for, you know, for Connor to try and guide into the top corner. But Connor, uh, Cole Palmer was like, nah, F it. I'm going for it. So he showed a different side of him um, against City. And uh, I, it's good and bad. I mean, I wouldn't say bad. I think it's positive because he's multifaceted. He's not just one dimensional. He's got a lot of different qualities to him. And that's what makes him such a good player. But talk to me about Cole's performance because I think, Quite a few people just did say, ah, oh, they don't think it was that he was that good. But I think the subtle stuff people kind of miss with his kind of game. Do you know what I mean? And his overall impact on the game. Yeah. Firstly, I think um, I, I disagree with you a little bit. I think the whole team was calm. If I'm honest, I think like even like Reese James was calm. You know, even when we went, when we went one nil down, I think um, Gallagher. Jackson, even I think I think the whole team was calm. To be honest with you, Sterling they never really lost no. their composure. So it wasn't it wasn't just Palmer. Let, let me let um, me clarify. Let, yeah. let me clarify. Yeah. I'm talking yeah, about I'm talking about the Spurs game. So the Spurs game. Oh, the Spurs first game. Start, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. I'm not talking. I'm talking about this game. He showed a different side because he was overly humble. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, my bad, my bad for misinterpreting. Yeah, um, I think this this performance was a bit more. It was a bit more selfish, but in a good way. So like he was trying to actually he was trying to score essentially he was he was showing the goal threat um, side to him because I think about so obviously you mentioned the chance where um, he should have passed to Gallagher but he shot and I also think about the chance where he goes on a solo run and it's like it's just driving straight to goal like he's on a on a mission like to go straight to um, straight to Edison and I thought it was good because um, in this game we had like three dangerous dangerous players on the pitch that were looking that they they could they could hurt city and i know and like in past past chelsea teams um like recently so like on the pot uh, even times on the two call there's been times where we just the team's just been so blunt and it's been devoid of any real threats and you know oppositions are facing us mm. and they they they're looking at our team and thinking you know who's really going to hurt us but against city 
with um, Palmer adding that to his game, along with what Sterling was really doing. Um, Jackson wasn't in the game as much, but he was still kind of, um, he was still busy. It was like, okay, cool. We've got multiple players here that can hurt them. And I think um, it was it was great to see Palmer doing that because he really took the game to them. Um, and yeah, it was another really good performance. He wasn't my personal man of the match. I think Sterling was better than him, but um, it was another good performance. So yeah, I was pleased. I hear you. So like, this is what I was saying. Like, I say it's a good and bad thing, but I, I'm leaning more towards the good side because again, that run that you referenced in the second half, that jinky majinky. Again, this is when we're down as well. So this, I think, we're at this yeah. point three two down, right? So three, two, down, yeah. again, taking responsibility and showing mm-hmm. that I'm the man, like regardless. And that mm-hmm. run was so like, do you know what it was? Yeah, and I, I'm gonna sound crazy. I know you men are gonna get onto me, but that reminded me of stuff that Havertz would try to do, right? And it doesn't necessarily execute, if that makes any sense. Like, those are things, those turns on a half turn, you then drive at the uh, the, um, the defence and then you get clattered. That's the sort of thing that Arsenal Havertz used to do. Um, but this situation, you've got someone that's a bit more composed and cultured on the ball, and he's obviously able to evade people and take those bumps. Because even the, the challenges that he was getting and receiving... He, he was obviously destabilised, but he still had the strength to stay upright. You know what I'm saying? I think if he just had a little bit more of, oh, you think it, I think, you know, but this is me being like, this is nitpicking, but I think if he dinked it, that's a goal. And that would have been a bad boy goal. Uh, yeah, um, I think his other leg got tripped as he went through. So it kind yeah. of like put, put him a bit off balance. So he just, he was kind of like stretching at it. Like it was as it, it it a goal. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a great goal. It's, it's, yeah. it's jarring as he got through and got through Rodri just about destabilizes, and I'm just like, ah, because if he was like imbalanced, I know he's tucking, I know he's tucking, you get it. So it was just, yeah, I was mad, but I don't want to skip the goals. I want to talk about Thiago Silva because we finally, lads, finally scored a set piece goal. I can't believe it. Obviously, my boy Connor got the assist, say less, because man, we're talking about his corners. We'll talk about him dirty, but say less. They were working on it and trading. Near post run from Connor. I'm um, near post run from, from Thiago. Connor finds him perfectly. That is a fantastic header to make it 1 1. And then, again, Chelsea are turning the screw and a fantastic pass on the end. That, that pass from Cole Palmer, that's cash money, you know, because he does it every game. That part, that pass, that bet, it's like a bowling ball. Like he bowls it and it kills the defender because they don't know where it's actually going. Like it, it really, it goes in and out. Um, and it really kills the defender. Garbadell makes a big mistake. Reese James, they are to, to capitalize. Fantastic cross across the box. Kills the defenders, kills the keeper. Raheem there to tuck against his former club. 2 1 in the lead. And we're looking at again into half time, 2 1 up. And I think if we went into half time 2 1 up, I think we win the game quite comfortably. Um, but City then showed the powers of recovery again. They started to get a bit of a grip with the midfield, and then City oh, mistakes. And then Horner comes back out, and then it's a, a Kanji goal, make it 2 2 before half time, which is so jarring because I think we'll, well, we'll value for the for the win at half time. Well, we'll value to go 2 1 up. But City showed their powers of recovery, showed their championship spirit, and um, yeah, two, 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 and I'm I'm jarred. But I felt 
comfortable going to the half time, you know what I mean? And obviously speaking to you, man, we were all seeing the same thing. And I'm thinking, you know what? Yeah, this is we're calm. Like we're no one's panicked. And I don't think that we're gonna crumble. Um and then straight after kickoff, what happens? Chelsea go three two down. Erling Haaland, again, those spaces in midfield were packed. Like the first five minutes of the first half, I'm thinking, oh no, this is not good. Enzo looked like, I think he looked injured again. Um, the spaces were horrible. And then, um, yeah, man, Haaland goal, inevitable, really. Um, but yeah, it was just really, really jarring. Um, Timson, the spaces that were in that midfield, like, we talk about Caicedo, we talk about Enzo, we talk about Connor, and we talk about how the midfield kind of operates quite quite well. But sometimes you look at that midfield and think, maybe we need an actual pure six to really just sit and anchor because the gaps are crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think that's a valid point to raise. And one thing I'm also glad about is the fact that we have the active six in the squad. He's just been injured in Lavia. I've we signed Caicedo and I likened him to Kante, uh, obviously in um, stature and playing style, in the sense that Kante is a ball winning midfielder. He doesn't sit like uh, Makaleli did. He likes to win the ball and impact the game everywhere. And like you said, there's pros and cons to it. But in this instance, there was uh, a distinct lack, a distinct gap um, when he did venture forward um, to press or um, just advance play. So, yes, there were gaps, but ultimately I feel like that midfield trio of Gallagher, Fernandez, and Caicedo have an understanding that if one goes forward, um, one typically tends to drop back. Whether and it's not like Enzo Enzo drops back um, by default. Sometimes Gallagher will drop deep and let Enzo um, slightly advance. So I think they have a really good partnership and. Yes, it would be interesting and it would be nice to see what a pure sitting six who just wants to shield the back four and give the other two midfielders he's paired with full licence to attack. But um, I think, yeah, there there might be potential for gaps with that midfield trio, but it's very balanced. So those gaps should be limited. And the fact that a team like Man City couldn't really hurt us um, too too badly uh, was something shows that it's um, not as big a concern as um, some people may think. Do, do you know what I think? I think on another day they hurt us a bit more. You know, personally. Yeah, um, I was. I was, say. I was quite concerned. I think I agree with you. I think the midfield, the three as it is, is very functional and they work and they they suit each other very very well. Um, and I think in big games, so I think the only game that they, the only big game they played together was the Arsenal game. Um, I think obviously Kai Soda wasn't with us for the Liverpool game, and in the Arsenal game, you know, we sit out in a low in a in a mid block, right? And we pretty much in that mid block throughout the entire game. And I don't know whether it's down to increased confidence in the team because obviously when the Arsenal game came about, 
we were still kind of we were still a bit low you know um still trying to find like find that confidence because we hadn't won many games um so it made sense for us to kind of stay in that mid block if that makes sense and just kind of feel our way into the game whereas this game is a bit different where we we had a couple of results i know we lost to brentford but other than that we've been on a pretty decent run and you can see confidence is building in the squad so i don't know if like maybe the team just felt a bit more confident to kind of press on to city um and in turn it left those gaps but yeah i don't know it's a weird one because obviously we saw that same midfield be very disciplined against arsenal and very you know structured and stable whereas in the city game they were kind of just up and down really if we're keeping it if we're keeping it a buck but i think it's definitely one to watch the next big game would be interesting sorry i actually forgot about Tottenham. i forgot about the tottenham game as well the tottenham game they were very sound again um yeah. but you know obviously context there's context to that game so it's definitely one to watch i think the next big game we have it would be definitely be intrigued intrigued to see um the thing is they, though if they can put so it I, off. Think I, want, I was gonna say remember the tottenham game remember the first 15 minutes bro remember the first 15 minutes yeah. the first 15 minutes it was crazy and i was talking about the gaps in that game very early on so I don't think we would have structurally sound as we're making out. I think we were very, very, very open in the first couple of minutes against Spurs. And I, I was very concerned. And I think there was a moment where in that game, Potch pulls Gallagher and says, you know what, bro, you have to sit. Like, you have to, don't push us high. And um, that's when we started to get a grip for the game. Um, but when we, when we were in our default method, I think it was a bit problematic. I can't lie still. Um, I think, but yeah, I think we've got an issue with the profile of our midfielders in terms of like their natural characteristics, in terms of what they do. Sometimes, Caicedo, like a lot of what he was doing, it comes like very natural to him to go and you know hunt down players and try and win the ball off of them. The only difference is he'd normally be doing it, or he's probably best at doing it exactly where Conor Gallagher is, and 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 I think that's a I think that's going to be a big problem for us. I I feel like. Only Connor or Caicedo, when everybody's fit, only Connor or Caicedo should be playing that role. I don't necessarily think that both him and Connor should be. I don't think it's a thing where him and Connor have to be on the pitch. Because mm. if you look at Caicedo in the past, even for Brighton, a lot of his good work and that, a lot of it was done further up the pitch as well. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily a mm. thing where he was he was a holding midfielder. He's always been a guy that's been able to he can win things if he's deeper, like in deeper areas and that, but he, he probably does more damage when he's further up the pitch and he can press on guys like in those dangerous areas where he wins the ball. And then cause he's quite tidy with the ball as well. And he's quite a decent carrier. He can, you know, he can drive towards the back line. He can, he can spray it out wide. He can play a little, he's even got cute little passes in his locker as well. Like I said, mm. it's not limited at all. So it's like, for me, yeah, cool. Like, obviously, Connor is doing fantastic now, and there is no way that anybody probably gets in front of him at the moment. But that position, for me, I feel like that position is shared between him and Caicedo in terms of if you want to see them at their best. And if yeah. you're going to talk about a midfielder that plays deeper and who doesn't, because because Lavia doesn't do what Caicedo did for the for the goal. Lavia won't, yeah. won't go. He won't travel. He won't travel that far because I've I've been watching Lavia for time now. Like for for that season, like in Southampton, I, I tried to catch as soon as I saw him in the first few weeks. I said, "Yeah, I'm going to try and watch this kid as much as possible." He he don't 
he don't go chasing around like that. Do you understand? He he's he's quite disciplined for his age, even though he's quite young. Um, he can be better defensively, but that's more to do with like screening and stuff like that and sniffing out danger, not necessarily mm. leaving his position kind of thing. And I don't blame Caicedo for doing it because that is actually his game. Like that's his game. He tr- he tries to he tries to press and he tries to put um, players under pressure. And he's quite good at tackling. Like even even though it was nine men against Spurs, I remember there was a few. He was like kind of like the guy that was getting us back into that game when we when we started to like put pressure on Spurs because he started getting in front of the players that were receiving passes. He was making tackles that he had no right making. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's all to do with like his type of game. Do you get what I'm saying? And his anticipation. So. It's just that he come up against players that are, you know, we're talking about some of the best players in the world. Like Bernardo Silva is not not a joke. Do you know what I mean? So mm. um, that's another thing. Like he's not going to come up against Bernardo Silva every every week. It probably every other week he probably nicks the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. Bernardo Silva. So do you know? Do you know what though, Jay? I think I, I take your point in terms of the two of them are both like Romers, but. I know it's a different system, but you could also you could probably use the example of Kante Matic uh, under Conte, because yeah. like I wouldn't say Matic is necessarily a sitter to be honest with you, um, but that works. Do you know what I mean? But I guess nah. you know five and a half. Yeah. It's a different system. It's not the same. But I do take your point. Do you know what I'm saying? This is definitely something to think yeah. about going forward. Yeah, they're both, uh, and I always like to profile. I think people misprofile a lot of players, and I think Caicedo is definitely not a six. I think. Car- Caicedo is a player that's capable of doing so many things well. And I think it's easy for you to kind of misidentify a player just because they're good at most things or good at loads of things. And I think you can see that even with Kai Havertz, who reputation preceded him, where he was apparently good at so many different things, but you you kind of lose sight of what the player actually is. And I think Caicedo, for me, is a Roman or a box-to-box defensive midfielder, Um, a box-to-box ball winner. That's, That's his role. Same way... N'Golo Kante was a box of ball winner. Same way Conor Gadagher is a box of box ball winner. Same way Declan Rice is a box of box ball winner. I think these players are all um, players that like to get about the pitch, win the ball back for their team, and get their team on the front foot. Um, they prefer to do it in their opponent's um, half rather than their own, because that's what they do. I think people need to understand that a six is a holding player. A six is someone that sits, screens their back line, screens their um, defence and is playing pretty much the, yeah, the, the, the first first phase and the, the, the middle phase. They don't really venture beyond that point. You can't really look at players like Caicedo, like Rats, like Gallagher and identify them as that sort of player, that staying only in their middle third, staying only in the first phase and that's where most of their work is done. That's not where most of their great work is done, if that makes any sense. So I definitely take your point, Jay. You'd... you'd, you'd, you'd Ideally, want one of them on the pitch rather than both of them if they're playing their traditional or their true roles. Um, and I definitely agree with you in terms of Lavia um, that he is a traditional six. He is someone that will stay disciplined and stay true to his role and by nature would be less inclined to do things like what Cassado does in terms of trying to win the ball relatively hard at the pitch. Um, so I definitely see it. I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. Now, the issue I'd probably say that then comes about is then how do you drop Gallagher given his current form? And can you trust Caicedo to put up the numbers offensively from an offensive metric 
that Conor Gallagher has done. So Conor Gallagher's already got three open play assists from centre midfield this season. Um, can you trust Kaiseida to kind of put up that sort of contribution towards the third, um, attacking third? Um, and that's a question to be asked, but I think it's all interesting and good questions because it shows that we've got quality in our squad and we've got a lot to work with, honestly. Um, yeah, we've got a lot to work with, man. We've got a lot to work with. Um, so, yeah, man, I think... Yeah, I, I think that it, it's something to discuss. You know what I mean? I think it's something to look at and I think it's something that Poch will probably have in the back of his mind. Like, is this midfield free the real balance or not? Like, really and truthfully. Um, I think, I think, but I think by and large, they've they've done really well, though. To be fair, um, agreed. I, I, this is no yeah. this is no criticism of them at all. Yeah, yeah. It's just something Definitely, to yeah. assess, really and truthfully. Yeah, because I think yeah. they've done amazing. I think individually, collectively, I think they will perform well. I think Caicedo. I think first couple of games he looked a bit he looked a bit shaky, but since then mm. he's been really really good. Um, I think the City game he wasn't that yeah. good to me. He was okay. Um, yeah, I think it was okay. And ultimately, against the City midfield, generally, you're going to have moments where you don't look too great, ultimately. I think, um, I think the, the good thing I like about that midfield is, is like when I think about games like Burnley away and Fulham at home, is like because they're so, they're so high in energy, um, they're, they're able to win the second balls all the time. So we're able yeah. to retain the pressure. On the, so it's particularly in the smaller games where we're able to to keep the keep them under pressure, keep the ball high up the pitch. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and then you've got Enzo who can dictate. So I feel like in those games it's worked really really well. Um, and obviously in the Arsenal game it was it was all right. Um, but yeah, definitely one to to watch um, and and assess going forward. But it's I think by and large it's, it's done well and and I like the the way they complement each other overall. Um, but yeah, just yeah. just one or two one or two things to watch out for. Yeah, so speaking of attacking contributions, again, Conor Gallagher didn't get an assist, but good play from Caicedo. Into, again, look at how high Caicedo was, by the way, that passed to Conor Gallagher. He's at the edge of the box. So he's near the edge of their box. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So again, balance. But he's near the edge of their box, feeds uh, Conor Gallagher, who takes a good shot from 25 yards. I think Edison should do better, to be honest. He spills it. Don't want to talk about what um what flipping Diaz is doing. Embarrassing, sliding for no reason, keeping Jackson on side and Jackson great anticipation to get a touch. If he's not there, you know who's there. CJ Palmer's there and he will slot. So good finish as well, good touch and finish, makes it free free. And then yeah, well, more anarchy, man. Again, midfield spaces are opening up at this point. Um, I think Enzo comes off the pitch and we bring I think we bring on. I think no. Do we do we concede and then bring off? I'm trying to remember. Do we concede think, and then? Uh, bring off Enzo Enzo. came off like 64th Enzo minute. came off early. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enzo was there for the third goal. He was there for the third goal. Yeah, he was there for the third goal, but not for Rodri's goal. Enzo was yeah, Enzo goal. was off by then. Yeah, Mudrick Mudri came on for Enzo. Mudri yeah, Mudri um, came on, yeah, for that third goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because the third goal came as a result of Mudrick Jinky Majinkas. Um, so, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, I think Chelsea have got weapons, man. Chelsea have got weapons to do damage to any team. Like, it's just all about whether we can put it together. But yeah, man. I think yeah, that goal was yeah, that was really good. That Jinky Majinky from from uh, Mudrik into Casado and then Casado to, to Gallagher. Gallagher blends it. Yeah, and then Jackson, good anticipation, touch, slot, 
goal, 3-3, game back on again. And then there's a massive chance. Reese James, oh, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. We ain't talked about this. Hold on, Jay. I'm going to give you the floor because set man were talking about Jeremy Doku. And don't get it twisted. I love Doku. But Doku versus Reese James, I, I, again, so on one side, you've got Raheem Sterling versus Walker. And then on the other side, you've got Doku versus James. And we fisted them up both sides. It's it's crazy. Sterling, Bland Walker, Reese, the pocketing was so disrespectful. So disrespectful. I think he allowed Doku past him one time, and I think that was just like, I'll allow you. Do you get it? Because Jay, talk to me. Because them man don't disrespect our boy like that properly. And it, it, it drives me insane, bro. Yeah, bro. Uh, it's it's so funny as well because like I go into these games and I'm just so confident that he's gonna lock these men up. You know that? Like it's it's actually insane. Like I like the way I feel so secure with James at right back here. Yeah, it's bonkers. Like Doku, he's a tricky player, obviously, isn't it? Like, and he's been he's been great for City. I think since coming in, um, coming off the bench for them and like starting a few games. Like he's looked, he's looked really, really good and really dangerous. But I think the most impressive thing about Reese James, yeah, is that he just gives you everything, bro. Like he just gives you, he gives you absolutely everything as a right back. It's, it's, it's actually insane to me how there are even debates about him. Like it's, it's, it's that bad. And it's gonna sound like super biased because I'm a Chelsea fan, but it's simple. It's simply put like this, yeah, a right back has to do both things in the game. There is no, there is never going to be a point in the game, there is never going to be a point in this game of football where a right back does not need to be a good defender. Never. You can make up all the excuses you want, but there will never ever be a point where you can be poor as a right back defensively. And James is just everything you'd want defensively as a right back. Like, don't get, don't get me wrong, yeah. He, it's not, he's not perfect because I know people were trying to bring up the whole. I think they brought up the third goal, tried to say, oh, why didn't Reese James cut that out? But if you actually look at it, the sassy is marking nobody and the striker is right there in front of you. Haaland is right there in front of you, bro. That's the only guy that's in the box. That's the only guy that the sassy should bro. be focused on. And he bro. wasn't focused on bro, him. Bro, that's how the there. ball ends up even getting to James. Bro, let me pause you there because that goal was all Sanchez. That goal was all Sanchez. On my life, look, I don't like to scapegoat, yeah? And I, I like Sanchez. I think he's done amazing things. In fact, I think he did a fantastic save to make it to, what's it, to keep it at 2-1. Um, an amazing save. Um, no, 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 no. At 1-0, one, at one nil, it was at 1-1. One, one. Harlan gets through, and that was an amazing save, yeah? Cool. But if you look back at that goal, and you see what Sanchez did, it'll make you sick. Bro, how are you not getting a strong palm on that? Because the ball goes through your hand. The cross, the ball goes through his hand. It, it, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. Like, remember last season when, against City, funnily enough, where Kepa pulls his hands away? And then Mara's yeah, there to yeah. slot it. Yeah? If you look back at that goal, Sanchez might as well not have been there. Because he puts his hand out and gets a faint touch. And he gets a full hand. So I'm just like, bro, if you pat that, you pat that out, and that's that's no goal. So for me, yes, the Sassy should have done better. 
But if you look at Haaland's movement, it was so sharp. Yes, Rhys Mayer, he could have done better. But Reese, what more can you do? He, he he's literally falling on he's falling on Reese. So what more can Reese do? So I'm just like, yeah. nah. I look at that. And just... I think, yeah, if I'm gonna analyze it properly, Sanchez should do better as a goalkeeper. Yeah, but in in general, anyway, like not even to put a negative on it, but in in general, I just think he just gives you everything in it. Like he defended how he how we all thought he would defend. I think a lot of people were quite confident against. Um, I don't know about actually. I don't know how many Chelsea fans were actually that confident because some of them can be mad negative. But I, in, for me, I was confident that he was going to lock up Doku, and I was confident that he was going to have another like good game against City in terms of going the other way. I think last time yeah. it was Mendy and, and some next guy that were on the left. I don't I can't even remember, but James done the same thing, slapped them up in the cup and he was yeah. aggressive in the same way. He was just aggressive in the same way. Like when Reese decides decides to be aggressive going both ways, you're effed for the game, bro. You're finished. Because <laughs> you're you're finished, bro. Like you can't do because the thing is you can't do anything about it as well. He's so good. He's actually so good. It's ridiculous. And this Reece. is a sixty percent. This is a sixty percent Reese James, bro. Like, like he's not played what he's not played five, six, seven, eight games in a row to get his rhythm. He hasn't done any of that, bro. You get me? Yeah. I think people that were concerned were concerned at the fact that he isn't one hundred percent fit. So it's just like, ah, uh, can Doku blammer a sixty percent Reese? The answer was a resounding no. Doku didn't have nothing for him, no change. Like he got absolutely fisted up, he got absolutely put in the Reese penitentiary, and that's another just, just another thing where a situation where you talk about it, like when it comes to tricky wingers dealing with one v one, there's no defender that's better than Reese at right back. None. I'm sorry. Um, you can talk about all the other stuff if you want to. You can argue it, all the conjecture you want, but when it comes to pure right back, nah, not happening, brother. Not happening. Um, but yeah, man. And then obviously Rodri's goal, which was joined again. I think Conor Gallagher sticks out a lazy leg. Thiago Silva then also sticks out a lazy leg, a double deflection, and you're just like, oh my god, it's like the 88th minute or something like that. So there's pain in my heart at this point in time because I think 3 3. It's jarring because I think we had loads of chances. I think before that goal. Malo Gusto got slotted in again. Fantastic play from Raheem Sterling once again. Slips in Malo Gusto on his left foot. Lifts it over the bar. 1v1 of Edison. I'm thinking, ah, because that was a chance. You know what I mean? Malo Gusto came off for Reese James early because Doku got dragged off the pitch early. And Reese came off a couple of minutes after. It's like, all right, rude boy. Job done. Greed is on. We don't care about this you. Um... And then Potts brings on Malagusto for Reese, obviously managing Reese's minutes. And yeah, that chance falls to Malagusto. And I think to myself, if Reese is on the pitch, I know that's I know that's four three. I know, you know what I'm saying? I know that's four three. If that chance falls to Reese, I know he's blaming that. Edison's got no chance. I, I've got a quick question. I've got a quick question. Sorry. Um, obviously, with Potts like managing Reese's minutes, like taking him off. Um, midway second half, as we've seen in the last few games, do you think this is actually going to make a difference to him um, picking up less injuries? Um, and do. As, do you have any concerns? Because I have a slight concern that um, I feel like yeah. there'll be some games where Gusto will come in and he's not quite switched on, like the Tottenham game. 
Um, but yeah, I just want to ask what what you guys' thoughts on on do you think it will have a, a good impact essentially? Yeah, I, personally, I, I, per, I think the fact that we once again we usually think, oh fuck, we need Reese, and then we play, we push him a little bit sooner than he's needed, and then he gets injured again. I think with Malagusto, he gives us a safety blanket, really. And even in-game, it just allows you not to completely overload Reese's legs or hamstrings or any muscle, really. Um, so the fact that he got taken off after 60-odd minutes is a testament to the fact that, you know, the team, the medical team, the medical staff, Hotch, are mindful that they need to be very, very careful. And for me, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I think the more Gusto gets used to that situ that situation, I think the more inclined and less restless and less mistake prone he becomes. Um, Timson, with Malagusto, for example, I know we're talking about him missing the chance, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I think we've we've said a number of times that look, we're very happy with Gusto coming in, man. Um, he doesn't give you the same level of quality in terms of going forward, but there's a a great assurance that you get from a, a right back of of his level, isn't it, when he comes on the pitch? Absolutely. I know we have short-term memories as Chelsea fans, but can we just cast ourselves back to last season when the thought, not even the performances, the thought of Marlon Gusto coming in was all we had to comfort ourselves when we were watching Aspilicueta run up and down the pitch when he was clearly like past past his best. I mean, and we've not signed just any scrub. When we've not signed a French Carl Jenkinson, um, we've signed a player who was rated quite highly in France, and someone who's been recognised and recently brought into the French national team. And we know that is probably, I would probably say, the most stacked country for talent in every position um maybe of all time timson you know the, the malice thing is as well like when he comes on yeah some of the stuff he does is levels bro like the way he was keeping the ball um like there was a, there, there's that passage of play going around where he's keeping the ball with the sassy him, him and the sassy in the corner oh Fuck. my days bro gusto is in he's actually insane you know like like sometimes yeah, i watch on. him and i'm like yo if this guy gets better yeah you need to you might be in trouble he's young like he's young and he's yeah. and he's confident like the way he was giving it to the city players that like, just before palmer slots his pen yeah I'm like, yeah, this kid is on it for Chelsea, bro. Like, he's he's already at home. He's settled. He, he's Like, his goals, he just seems like yeah. he knows exactly what he wants from this move. And, like, those words that he had in his interview not so long ago about why he chose to come here, I can see it, bro. I can see why. He's not scared of anything. Like, he's fearless. He's a proper mm. fearless player. He seems like somebody that, like... Obviously, it's it's all, you know, him and James are probably very close now and whatever, they work together, they play the same position. But I, I just get the feeling as well, he's looking at James as if to say, listen, brother, we're cool, but 
I'm, I'm, I'll I'm, see I'm you trying often, to man. get your spot. Yeah, I'm trying to get yeah. your spot. And there is nothing better to have than than that in a top top team like like obviously like Chelsea like you want to have players pushing each other like we spoke about the midfield earlier with Lavia, Caicedo, Connor like this is a good situation as well like I, I need to stress that it can be a very good situation for for Poch and the team in general because they they look like they have that kind of like you know when we look at the England squad recently and the, and one of the biggest compliments we had for the England squad was that they looked really together now. Like they looked like they were all boys. They looked like they were kind of encouraging each other to try and do well. And so the the energy in the squad was more like let's all just get better and get to a point where this squad can go on and win something. And I feel like I'm looking at this Chelsea team and the energy kind of it reminds me of that. It's like they all they're all comfortable. They're all boys. Like they all know each other from other places. That like obviously some of them are all play for the under twenty ones in France. You've got Cole Palmer, Cole Will. Madueke, they all have that kind of connection. So it's like, it's not a thing where there's going to be that kind of like that bad blood. It's going to be mad competitive, but also like very, very encouraging from player to player. Do you know what I mean? And so it's it's, it's really good. It's a really good place to be at the moment for for, for Chelsea in terms of um, development and stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah hard to disagree. Because like you said, we've got different factions, but they're all together. Like they're all riding for each other. They're all like, yeah, they're all fighting for the same things. And I feel like there's like a, a belief that they just want to feel like, you know what? This isn't a piss-take project. This is something that we want to take serious. And this is something that we are going to try and try and be successful together. And, you, you know, they, they all believe that we're going to be the top team. They all believe it. And you could tell just the way that that, just the, the, the energy and the, the, the hunger and the fight, honestly, that I'm seeing, it, it's saying a lot. It, it's saying an awful lot. But obviously... Breuer comes on. And again, I want to credit Pochettino. He actually made good subs. Because the subs that he made, they were they, impactful. And that was the first time that Poch has made subs that, for me, positively impacted the team. Um, because Breuer comes on, fantastic bit of play, sends Diaz again, another mistake, down the river. And wins the penalty. And the moment of truth came for CJP. Now, I couldn't watch the pen. I can't lie to you, lads. I couldn't watch it. Because I was rattled. I thought if he misses, I my head will be in, in space. I'd be so fucking pissed. But then I'd be so gutted for him. So I couldn't watch the pen. I can't lie. I let the alert come upon my phone that he scored. I didn't even watch it. <laughs> but... I guess, Gems, when you saw him put down the ball, you what were you thinking? Because I think you're probably out of everyone, maybe you and Dan. You, oh, I'd probably say Timson too, but I think Timson gets rattled too. But let's just say you and Dan are probably more composed-ish out of the lot of us. And no, I never say Timson. So you three are the most composed out of the lot of us. So I was thinking. When the ball is, is put down by Cole Palmer, did you man have any doubts? We'll start with you, Shams. Not really, to be honest. Not really. Um, I think the lad is using confidence. So I thought, you know what, he, he's going to back himself. He's going to believe himself. He's going to put it in the net. Um, I think literally game by game, he's literally been growing. And you can see 
he's getting more and more confident and he, he seems to really like he, he owns the shirt now. So, um, and even that responsibility, like we talked about earlier in the pod, um, like he was taking responsibility all game and he's been taking responsibility in previous games. So I feel like, um, yeah, he's just used to this now. He's kind of used, and it, and it sounds weird saying that because he's only been here, what, a couple of months, but that's literally the reality. So when he, when I saw him put the board and I was like, you know what, I think I think it'd be all right, to be honest. Um, yeah. What about you, Timson? Yeah, what about you, Timson? I was confident. I was very confident. I just don't know why. I didn't feel any unease or any hesitation in his approach to the way he he set the ball down, the way he stood um, before the, the whistle went to take the free kick and just the narrative and finally just what we deserved out of the game. Like we definitely did not deserve for it to end the way City fans were hoping when Rodri scored and we were, I was just thinking to myself, this really good performance. We're not Spurs. We're not going to be on talk sport talking about, do you know what? I feel like we came, I was proud of that performance, even though we lost. Yeah. I felt like that's not our level. That's not our portion in life. So when he, so when we got that penalty, when Cole Palmer stood to take it and I just saw the way he, he, he stood tall and imposing. Yeah. This guy ain't missing. Do you know what? Do you know what? Though? It's funny you say that, Timpson. Um, in terms of that 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 performance thing, you know, um, because I do feel like I hear it though. I'm gonna say it. I feel like we've got a little bit carried away, just a little bit. Like it's not not. And I, I want to say we. I don't mean like us as in chest out. <laughs> but I mean like I've seen the PR. I don't know if you saw the PR that I posted on Insta um, from the Chelsea account. Um, and obviously all the reaction as well from on top of that. And I'm just thinking, like, and, I, and I took a step back yesterday and I thought to myself, after I posted that, I was thinking to myself, you know what? Are we doing a bit too much here? Because the reality is, mm. we are still 10. That's the reality. And also, like, yeah, we we, we didn't win the game. Like, we, we drew. Like, it was a great game. And I think, obviously, I, I, I get the fact that a lot of us, not even just us, um, but rival fans as well, expected Chelsea to lose both games in that week. Um, but we came away with four points and it's something to be happy about, yes, for sure. But I just feel like, I don't know, man, we've got two massive games after the break, which we need to win. Um, yeah. And we're still 10th. So it's like, I don't know. I did have to catch You know what it is, yeah? I hear you, bro, because I personally thought that, you know, if we lose this game, I'm going to be pissed off because we don't deserve to lose. But I also thought to myself, after the game... The, the furore of, you know, getting a last-minute point and the performance was fantastic and all of that. But then after I sat back and I rewatched the game, I'm thinking, so many of these goals were avo- avoidable, so that pissed me off. I was just seeing, like, yeah, we're involved in one of the best Premier League games ever. Cool. I couldn't help but feel like it's not enough for me. And I, I kept thinking, like, maybe I'm being, like, overly harsh and, like, I, I need more. And I, I just think this might be a situation where I've seen us go through these games. I've seen us be super successful. And I've seen us compete at the highest level. And this draw ain't enough for me. Like, I just, I need more. And it's all good and well drawing this 4-4. But if we come up against Brighton and Newcastle 
and we come unstuck, I'll be so pissed off. So I get it. There's a lot of a celebration. There's a lot of excitement, but I just feel like maybe we should tone it down a little bit. You, sense. man, can tone it down, bruv. I'm gassed, fam. I don't give a fuck. Because you know this, this Chelsea team, yeah? This Chelsea team, bro, they've got the potential to, to slap a lot of teams, bro. Like, that's the reality. They've, they've got the potential to slap a lot of teams. The only thing is, if, if, they, if they revert back to tap with their whole execution thing in terms of getting into these positions and not... Bro, we've proved already that we can, we can, we can be competent in those areas, bro. Like, I'm watching that City game and I'm seeing, I'm saying if that's any other team and we're moving like that, the way the game was and, and you know, we're getting those kind of chances and we're on a day where we want to be clinical, then the other team ain't scoring four goals. They're not scoring four goals. Like, real talk, I don't, I don't think Brighton would have, would, have, would have been in a game like that. If they wanted it to be open like that, I don't think Brighton, Brighton scored that many goals. Do you get what I'm saying? I, and, and Newcastle, as good as they are, with the injuries that they've got, I don't expect them to do that either, bro. Like, real talk, Almiron, I, I get I it. I hear you. I hear you. I get it. Almiron, I get it. You're on form. But, brother, like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not rating him that highly, bro. Like, we, we deal with him, man. I'm, I'm not even joking, but, bro. But they, here's they, they my thing, man. Deal with him, man. Here's my thing, bro. I hear you. But I'm not looking at Brighton and Newcastle as people that are either above us or even levels with us. I'm not looking at it. So I'm just thinking, just as a disappointment as a Chelsea fan, that we ain't come away from the game with a win, basically, given how well we performed. You get it? I understand. Oh, yeah, essentially. So that, that's my thought. My thought is like, ugh, I need a bit more. But that's not to think with with Newcastle and Brighton, I think we have to put them to the sword. Newcastle, their injuries, Brighton, They've not won a game in two months in the league. So I, we need to fist them up and show them levels. Like, that's on Poch. Yeah, because like, even with the Poch thing, it's like, I'm looking at things that are improving week on, week out, yeah? Like, and, uh, like, and I'm looking at, all right, cool. Now he's kind of figured out, you know, he's starting to figure out his subs, maybe. He's starting to figure out, all right, cool. You know what? At certain points of the game, I'm going to shift Palmer Central. Like, he's done that twice now. Tottenham, he done it, and then he done it against City as well. Shifted him central, started letting him just pick up the ball, started letting him dictate. Guy had Rodri, like, he had Rodri on skates for a bit when he went central as well. So it's like, he's starting to figure out who are the guys that he needs to proper rely on. He's starting to figure out maybe what the subs are. that he Like, I think he tried Leslie a few times early on. He's, obviously, he knows his gusto subs there for, for like, Reese. Um, he's not had Reese. Like for the whole season, pretty much. So like he's only just got Reese back now, and we've seen the impact that Reese has, bro. I'm telling you, like there's levels for this team to go. There is levels for this team to go. Like there's, I've said it before, Lavia. I've, I've been ranting about Lavia for time, and I've been telling man when when they see Lavia, because I think everybody's excited about obviously Connor and all these man, but you know, out of sight, out of mind, in it, Lavia, that kid. <laughs> I honestly think like we go to a next level with Lavia coming into the team. And in Kunku, I think it's a thing where if he does bring that same quality that that we've been missing in terms of like um finishing and the composure, bro, I just I just struggle to see if we've been performing for like we've been performing well for the majority of the season. I struggle to see how it doesn't end up with more W's. 
I, I really do. I just struggle to see. I just don't... Like, if it does, we've got to be one of the most unluckiest teams, bro. Like, I love I love the optimism. I genuinely do. Genuinely. Yeah. yeah. Bro, I do. I, I, I just feel like... This, this team's too it's, good, for me, talent is there. For me, for me, look, the talent could be there. Performances could be there. But the results have to be there. I'm yeah, done fact. talking about... I'm done talking about performances... I'm done Bro, talking about the boys. You get it. I need wins, <laughs> you get I need it. wins, B. I don't care however which way they come. I don't care if we fuck fuck up Newcastle. I don't care if we scrub a one nil. I need I need points, B. I need points. Yeah. Ultimately, the reality is though, it's I a roller coaster this season, though. The, the reality is it is a roller coaster this season, though. It will be. Like it just will be. Like in terms of how we've done business, in terms of the players that we're relying on. Like, look at me. I'm talking like even though I rate him highly. I'm talking about a 19-year-old. We're talking about a 20-year-old that's that's taking responsibility. Like Shems was just saying, just other, like just not so long ago. Oh, like it sounds crazy, but Cole Palmer, like I, I was, I was confident, bro. He's 20 years old. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like so. The reality of it is that's the reality of our situation. My thing is, I still think we're gonna get, we're gonna have, we might have like some downs. We might have some more downs. Do you know what I'm saying? We might have, we might go United and fucking draw that game, and we're all gonna be pissed. Do you know what I'm saying? But. The fact of the matter is, this team, this season, they're not going to have consistent performances and consistent Ws this season. Like, that's the that's been my mindset from the get-go. Like, I, I already thought to myself, this team will have really highs. Like, they'll have really good highs where kind of like even it might end like City did. Like a 4-4 mm. against a really mm. good team. And you're like, right, the performance was there. This is something to build on. But... I don't I, I don't have this thing in my head where I feel like we're ever gonna have a patch this season where we have like six, seven W's in a row. Do you get what I'm saying? Like five, six W's in a row. I just don't I just don't think the team is built for that kind of for those kind of runs right now. In terms of where they are in terms of stages as well, like with Poch, with the youngsters in the team and how they need to develop. Players like Jackson, he might go on like a four or five game run of scoring. Then he might go on another five, six games run of like not scoring. Do you get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what that's kind of like just what I see, how I see the squad at the moment. I don't think yeah. they're in that same position as the others, like City, Liverpool. They've got they've got a team where they them and they have done that before. Do you get what I'm saying? We're just still twelve games in with Poch. Yeah. But that's what well, it, it remains it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. Um but I do want to talk about obviously how we're kind of gonna line up um with the returns of Lavia and Kunku, and I've said before for a couple of weeks now that they're being scheduled to come back for the Newcastle and Brighton games. Now, obviously, Enzo Fernandez is going to play a game, I think, on the Thursday night and then travel on the Friday and then our games on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, against Newcastle um, or maybe it's Saturday or Sunday. I just think it's very likely, especially that he's had a knock as well, it's very unlikely that he's going to probably um, play that Newcastle game. Um, so, in terms of like our lineup, how we're going to set out, do you throw Lavia into the deep end or what? You, you get Ugo Chupu? Like, how, how we how we pattern in this? Because I think I don't want to change too much. I think the momentum is there to do to to do good work. Um, and honestly, I think you could probably go Palmer centre midfield along with Gallagher. And Caicedo, but do you trust that against a physical Newcastle team? So how how are you man running it, Timson? What what are you what are you saying to me? Probably 
play it safe. Um, I can I can very much see Enzo still playing in that game, but if he wasn't fit, or if he was jet lagged, if, if he was too tired, I'd play it play it safe and go with the number six in Ukuchuku. But for the most part, I would probably keep the team the same. Um, the only points of contention would probably be: Do you bring in Levi Colwell at left back? Be quite harsh to after Kukurea had such a good performance, but equally harsh to leave Colwell on the sidelines after he's been quite he's been quite reliable this whole season. But for the most part, I'd relatively leave the side unchanged outside of Uguchuku coming in potentially for Fernandez, depending on. Um, fatigue from traveling and I I'm someone who prefers a le- a pure left back but just based on Pochettino he'll probably bring Colwell back in to the fold at left back um providing he's fully fit. So just those two changes and I'd keep the team the same. I uh I Jay what what would you do? Obviously Enzo probably will miss the game because he's going to be travelling super late. Um, yeah. Are you throwing in Lavia? I, well, I don't need to ask you. I know you're throwing in Lavia. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. nah. All I, right, then go on. I, I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he'll be fit enough because he'll need a game where at least he has like 20, 30 minutes, I think. So, um, you know what? I'd actually go quite attacking against Newcastle. Like, after the display... I think, and my thinking behind it is this, yeah. I just think if if Colwell does come back in, I think he helps with, like, the physical side of things. So I wouldn't be, I agree with Timson, I wouldn't be surprised if Colwell does come back in against, especially against Newcastle. Um, but I'd, I'd trust Kayasedo and Gallagher to be a little bit more disciplined and still give you that energy that you need in midfield to, to match Bruno and Joe Linton. And I think technically, I still think, even though we ain't got Enzo in there, I still think technically we'll be just as good, if not better. I think Caicedo and, and Gallagher can still um, dominate that, that midfield area. And then if Palmer plays in the 10, and then we go for two wingers like a Mudrick and, um, and Sterling, I can just see Sterling and Mudrick being being quite threatening against Newcastle, especially like with their injuries, like Trippier is not the quickest. I think, um, well, it wouldn't be, yeah, yeah. So it might, it might either be Trippier or it might be Livramento. So that could be tricky. But um, someone on the left-hand side or right-hand side won't be that quick to deal with. Like They won't be quick enough to deal with Sterling or Madrid. So I'd really want us to kind of test them because I just feel like with their injuries at the moment, Newcastle are quite open. They are, they do like to have a go. And I think it's at St James Park, right? Yeah. So the fact is. that it's yeah, so the fact that it's there kind of tells you everything you need to know. Really, that like they're not going to be sitting back. Do you know what I'm saying? They're going to be coming out. They're going to be trying to attack us. They've been scoring goals. I think they're the top goal scorers this season, um, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's, it's going to be another. It might be another. It might be another um, blockbuster, man. So yeah, yeah I just, I just attack, attacking. Shims, what, what are you saying? Uh, I, I get the feeling you're going to be a little bit more conservative than Jay. No, nah, you know what? I actually completely agree with Jay. 
I think because like especially because Newcastle got injuries, I think they've got something like eleven injuries. I think it's just time to like just be brave and just just go step on the next, go for the kill. To be honest with you, I think um, mm. part of what you were saying in terms of like it's time for us to start getting wins. I feel like there is um, a part a part of that is like picking certain moments whereby you actually go for it and just like really mm. really just use the talent. As Jay said, it's a talented team. Um, they're pretty high on confidence right now. So just take advantage of that and just really go for the kill, to be honest with you. Um, and I think part of my um, security in that is that I think when Enzo came off, I wasn't too concerned with the security of the midfield, like Gallagher and um, Kaiser. It looked fine. I know it was only like 20 minutes, but against um, you know high, high opposition, it still looked relatively sound. I wasn't concerned. So yeah, I would go, go with that. And, um, you know, Caicedo and Gallagher are just as physical as Bruno and, and Joe Linton, in my opinion. So I'd go for that yeah. and then um, use pace just to hurt them, man, to be honest with you. True. Very true. Um, I probably, yeah, I'm in agreement with Jay and, and you, to be honest. Um, I like the way it looked, balance-wise. I think Palmer did work very well in the central areas of the pitch, too. So... I think he impacts the game more from central areas anyway. So, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm confident and comfortable in the midfield. I think Gallagher and Kai said have been performing pretty well in terms of a level. So, yeah, I, I think we should probably go with that. Obviously, games are going to be coming in thick and fast, so we're going to be needing our entire squad anyway. Um, and I'm just excited to see Nkunku. I'm hoping he gets some minutes off the bench. Um, I'm hoping both of them, him and Lavia, get some minutes off the bench. Um, after the national break, um, I'm hoping that we get no no more injuries. But it looks like Man City players are dropping like flies. It seems like Chelsea just seem to be having this curse with anyone we play, their team get mad injuries. So hopefully no man continue. I don't care about the ops <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, actually a few things I wanted to talk about um, on on Roman um, and yeah, on Roman essentially. So obviously. We're being apparently potentially going to be charged and docked points, which I find very interesting. Now, I think one thing I wanted to say quickly on this is that no matter what happens, yeah, nothing, and I'm, I can repeat, nothing will impact or tarnish the legacy of Roman Abramovich at Chelsea. Because what, what Roman was so unprecedented is that, all right, you might want to stop me from spending money on my club and I'll find a way to spend money on my club. You know what I mean? So I feel like, look, if we get if we have to take points, then fuck it, we'll take the points. You know what I mean? But if for any reason how we have to take points and City don't, and City have actually been money laundering and actually been falsifying their financial statements, I'll just be like, you better take the fucking piss. But obviously we're Chelsea. These things tend to happen to us. We tend to get the the front of all punishments whilst others get off scot-free. So we're just we're gonna have to hold it. But regardless, it doesn't change the fact that we are two-time champions of Europe, one-time world champion, um, multiple Premier League winners, and any other rival fan that wants to cry about it, they're gonna just have to hold it. Because there's nothing really else to say about them. To be honest, I feel like you want to keep crying about it. it, doesn't change the fact that you man haven't been successful for a long time. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the fact that you man bought all the league title. To, to Leicester. It doesn't change the facts. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. It's all good. Um, but now, Nicholas Jackson, finally, he um, he scored a goal at the weekend, taking his 
taking a league t- tally to six league goals. What are our realistic expectations for him at the end of the season? Because six league goals in 11, obviously a, cup, a hat-trick against um, a depleted Tottenham. But he scored, what, against Man City too? It's a big game. So what are you man saying? What's realistic targets for each of you? And I want, I'm going to want you to stick your neck out. What do you think, what's your realistic target for him and what do you think he's going to get? Shem, we'll start with you. Um, I've been pretty consistent for the most part and I've said that I think one in two is probably his, probably his limit as, as oh, I hate to use that word, it's such a bad word, but I can't really think of anything else right now. I, I, I think one in two is what he will get. Um, and I think one and two would be quite good for him, to be honest with you, um, considering that, you know, he's come in with, um, you know, relatively low, low expectations um, and just the fact that, you know, we haven't had even that kind of rate of goal scorer in recent years. Um, and I think if he can do that, considering the other talents in the team, I think that would go a long way to us being a successful season, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think one and two young striker who's still developing, I think it'll be not, not a bad return. And I think that's probably where I see his capabilities taking him to, especially the fact that he's not taking penalties as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go one, one and two. So, yeah. Would be fucking saying. amazing. Would be yeah. amazing. Timson, where, where are you at with it? 12 goals, six assists for the whole season, all comps. The bar for me is very low. And to reach this point already, um, he's done well. Obviously, there's some bulk stat padding in obviously the Spurs game against nine men. But if he can get 12 goals and six assists, all comps, he's done his job, especially since... Nkunku's return to fitness means his minutes are going to start to drop off a little bit. And obviously, uh, who knows what Armando Brojoz, um goes on to do. So he might even drop down to third choice um, when it's all said and done in terms of the attacking lineup. So 12 and 6 for me. Jay, what are your thoughts? Um, I think... I mentioned in another group chat today because someone asked me this today, but they were asking me like, whereabouts do you reckon he'll he'll land in terms of how many he scores? And I said, anything between thirteen and eighteen. That's that was kind of like what I'd expect. I think eighteen is like really obviously like probably the best outcome you could you could want from Jackson this season. I think if he gets anywhere close to that, I'd say that's actually really really good considering considering how the season started and considering like obviously he's getting to to know like how the team works and how Poch wants him to work and stuff like that so but yeah I think I'd say maybe something like 14 15 goals I reckon I reckon he might get something like that okay yeah I'm just not sure how I'm just not sure how many games it's gonna be like I'm not sure if it's gonna be like a, a Tammy 15 or you know, a, a Costa fifteen. If you get what I mean, like, you know, Costa was was scoring in a lot of games. Like, and Tammy, I could count like nine of his goals in like four games or some shit. Yeah, so, I mean, so, it's, so, it's, so for it's, me, uh, for me, I think if we're gonna follow the trend, and I, I'm a maths nerd, so I I look at the trends, I look at his xG, I look at what his his chances are, 
how proficient he is in front of goal. Um, and funnily enough, this season, he's actually been one of the most efficient strikers in Europe. Um, I know it doesn't look great because I think in the early part of the season, he was missing a bucket load of chances. Um, but what I do anticipate that he will do is surprise a lot of people. And I think one thing about Nicholas Jackson is that in every game, he's been there when the chance is there. So even if he's not in a chance, he's not, he's, he's always been there. And that's one issue that we used to criticise a lot of our strikers about not really being in the right areas to miss the chances. Um, so I'm going to go out, I'm going to stick my neck out and say, I think Jackson lands on 17 Premier League goals. And I'd be surprised if he hit 19. That's as far as I'm going to go. If he hits 20, incredible, because we ain't had someone hit 20 since Costa. But I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that he hit 17. And 17 non-penalty goals is actually an amazing return for a 22-year-old. So let's watch the space. Now, obviously, with that being said, we're being linked with massive strikers, uh, one of the best strikers in, in, in Europe, actually, in terms of Victor Osimhen. Um sort of summer or January. Now, the fee is going to be crazy, even though there's only one year left in this deal. How much money would you spend? I want to ask you to teach you this. How much money would you be willing to spend? So if Nicholas Jackson gets 17 goals in the league, how much more money would you be willing to spend? So say Osimhen, and I think scoring 27, 28, league goals is a big ask for anyone. So I ask, how much more money would you be willing to spend to get an Ossiman to get that additional 10 goals that you get when you get from Jackson you may not get from Jackson? Let's start with you, Timson. Oh, how much, how much would I be willing to spend? I probably wouldn't want to spend more than what United spent on Hoyland. So you're talking 75, uh, 70 plus 10. So no more than 80 million max. And you're talking about upper echelon striker in terms of Victor Osimhen. So when I say that, let me just preface this by saying Victor Osimhen, in terms of his market value, he is not a hundred million pound striker. You pay a hundred million pounds, you pay a hundred million pounds for, Victor Osimhen, or you pay 100 million plus because Napoli do not want to sell and it has to be worth their while to sell. His base value is below 100 million. Now, if he goes and says, you know what, I am not signing a new deal, I will sit, I'm happy to sit this out and ensure you don't get a penny or just any kind of disruption in the sense that he's trying to, um, indirectly force his way out you can potentially get him for less than 100 mil but right now i probably wouldn't spend more than 75 80 million on um striking reinforcements especially when it doesn't look clear that we're definitely going to end up with european football with our current standing in the league so Mm. that's where my mind is with that um what, what what are you saying? So obviously, if Jackson ends on seventeen league goals a season, 
how much are you looking to spend to get Osimhen in? And yeah, I, I we'll talk about the ramifications after, but how much would you be willing to spend? Yeah, you know what? I feel, I, I'm with Timson, to be honest with you. I think around about that 80 mil mark, um, because simply because the way I see it is like if everything goes to plan, um, we would have like Nkunku would be like a, a goal scorer as well. So let's say like we had, let's say, let's say at the end of the season, we finished the season and Nkunku had scored quite a few goals. Jackson had scored, um, let's say like 17 goals, like you said. And then like Sterling had like double digits as well. And let's just say, I'll be looking at it and I'll be thinking, you know what? Like it's it's a good it's a good spread. Like there's there's multiple goal scorers here. And um would we really need to spend a hundred million on another striker? I wouldn't be convinced. Do you know what I'm saying? If this was last season, however, when 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 the when the situation was where it was and you know we were just so devoid of any attacking threats and goals, I'd probably say, yeah, break the I, I, I would have spent the hundred mil. But I think if everything goes to plan with the talent we have in the squad. Um, and what Poch actually envisioned for the likes of Nkunku, Jackson and Sterling, then I'd probably say the same as what Timson said. That makes sense. Jay, similar question. Man, I don't even want to spend no peas on no striker, bro. Like, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm done, man. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want no striker, bro. I'll be real. But like, um, if I had to, if I had to, I would even be looking at Osiman. I'd just be looking at trying to get Tony as cheap as possible. Like, because I just, mm. that's, that's how much I'm not really on getting another striker. Especially if my striker scores, if my striker scores anything, I've even said if Jackson scores anything between 13 and 18, I'm not even looking at a striker, bro. I, I don't care. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I because... My, my focus is just fully on, on Jackson, fully on Jackson getting better, and also mm. finding out what I've got in, in, in Broya. And, you mm. know, that's just me, in it? But, like, I don't know. I, hate, 100 million, I, I might spend 100 million and only get 21 goals, bro. And then what? I what hate. am I doing then? I hear you. And this is what I was going to say. Like, so I, I say this year, because everyone, like, don't get it twisted. Like, Austin is a great player. Fantastic player. But there's no guarantees he hits it. There's, there's no guarantees, one. Two, it's a new style of football. You're playing on the potch in comparison to the way that you played on Spalletti and other managers. So it's, it's different. So your requirements, demands, going to be different. So you may need time to adapt as well. Jackson will have a full season under his belt understanding exactly what Poch wants. So if Jackson got 17 league goals, I, 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 I'll, I'll be so confused. But I'm, so I'm just, I, I'm of the opinion of just wait and see. See what this brother's on. Wait and see what this brother is on. You know what I'm saying? And then, then we can make a decision. I don't think we need to rush into a decision. I don't think we need to rush and do it in January. We have to wait and see. I think this busy Christmas period is going to tell us a lot, really, about whether Poch really trusts Jackson or not, or really trusts our attacking options or not. Um, and I think that's really going to impact the decision making, if I'm honest. This congestion period. Um, but but yeah, man, I think the, links to, the links to Austin men are great, but I need, I'm more thinking about squad composition, how it's going to work, who's going to impact. And there's obviously going to be some casualties as a byproduct of this. Um, and I just feel like, oh, does it need to be? You know what I mean? I think 
there's potential there for us messing up something that doesn't need to be messed up yet. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm very in in two minds. Don't get me a bit wrong. Having someone like Osimem, especially his qualities, his aerial quality, his ball striking, oh, it, it's great to have. I'm just thinking, ooh, do we do this? I need to wait and see before I actually make a decision. I need to wait and see. If I'm... Could could you imagine, yeah, if these men do do one of those deals where they they bag Ossiman in January, but he doesn't come until summer, and they they agree the fee or whatever, like big big money, and then by the end of the season, Poch is playing this fluid football now where Jackson's getting these chances that are more suited to him, and he's and he's bagging the goal. Do you know how stupid we're gonna look? That would be so Chelsea. That would be so stupid. That is. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like I can't even believe that they're talking about a hundred mil strikers in Jan. I actually can't believe it. It's actually yeah. mad. When you think about it, it's insane. Like you bought this guy because you had faith that he was gonna turn into a a good player for you. Yeah, you wouldn't start him up yeah. top if you didn't have that kind of faith. So by by even entertaining this talk in Jan, is basically saying, Yo, brother, <laughs> we don't really trust you, bro. Like do you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's, it's insane to me, bro. It's actually so crazy. Like, so mad. Yeah. Obviously, you want to equip your manager with the best tools to win, but I just, I just, I don't know. And it's going to be a, a weird one, but obviously, it's silly season soon. January window opens. Loads of free agents could start talking to other, player, other teams. So there's a lot of movement that's probably going to happen. I don't know if we should be buying someone in January. And for me, I don't want to. Um, even if it's awesome men. But we're going to have to wait and see. The talk about it is, is a lot. It's getting hot. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see, man. But, yeah, anyway, you, man, it's been a great one. It's been a long one. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back again next week, same time. It's been Chesi Hour. Hopefully, international break should be done by then. We're going to be building up for the game against Newcastle. But, yeah, I'll catch you, man, later. Take it easy. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.